everybody, get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a check for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. On the, it's my favorite day of the year. Why is it my favorite day of the year, aside from Nikki's birthday? Uh, because we get to turn our clocks back, so don't forget. Fall back. Get Fall an back. extra hour. Fall back, baby. No, it's not my birthday. No, no. The other favorite day is your birthday. Oh. You got to listen to me. No, no, no. I know, but Aviva asked. No. That's why. (laughs) Well, Aviva, stop asking. Okay. All right. So, And we've got a great show today. Jeremy Sheck is here. You guys listening probably know him from TikTok or somewhere out there. Or Instagram. Instagram. But Mm -hmm. you're going to know him for his new book called Sheck Eats, Cooking Smarter. It's friendly recipes with a side of science. It's a great book, particularly for kind of people who are starting out and really are not you know, not avid cooks. Okay, They're just cooking go. curious. So I, I'm going. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. Barry Coslow's back. Yay, Barry. He's the executive chef at the Pendry DC on our very sexy We've wharf. We've known yeah. Barry since his we, Tallulah days. We've known Barry since he was young. It's we're, been a while. Now, <laughs> we're all getting aged here. Right. It's been a minute. And, and uh, the, the property has three food and beverage Correct. operations. We'll He's going to tell it. us about all of them. Um Anna Reyes is here. She's the director of operations at El Tamarindo, the 18th Street icon. Mm-hmm. Really? It's the headquarters for, really, for D.C., for Salvadorian and Mexican cooking. But your pupusas are what you are famous and famous and famous for. She's in to tell us what's going on about Pupusa Week, which starts on Monday the 6th, tomorrow. And uh, we're going to hear all about that and hopefully taste some pupusas. Yeah? And lastly. Okay. And lastly... It's back and she's back. It's been a, a year since uh, we first had Aaron Tucker in here talking about DMV Black Restaurant Week. Dr. Aaron Tucker from the University of Maryland is the really the genius behind Black Restaurant Week. And she's in here. She's brought her, her friend, Chef Henry Brandon Williams, to talk about his restaurant and what's going on for, for across the week. Uh, you want to start with Jeremy? Let's start with Jeremy. Let's so put him on the Jeremy's hot Jeremy's a bit of like a superstar, right? Like we have like a superstar in studio. I mean, you're all stars. You're all fantastic. Um, but Jeremy, let's just talk about like how you wound up doing your blog first. Because you didn't just like start Wait, cooking. can we just give him a plug? He's a local boy who's made yes. good. I mean, he went to, where did you go? You went to Whitman? BCC. BCC, That's right. That's offensive. Grew up, grew up in Chevy Chase, went to BCC. I mean, our kids went to Walter Johnson, so yeah. that's offensive. That's, That's less offensive than Whitman. <laughs> okay. The, <laughs> do you agree? I didn't mean to offend. But really, I mean, how did, we have a son who is, who is just kind of, who just moved into his first apartment and who is cooking curious and is starting out that. This book is perfect for a guy like him. So how did all this happen? Yeah, how'd you get started? So I originally got started when I was a high schooler at BCC. Mm -hmm. I had a lot of activities that I did for a long time. Like I did Taekwondo for 10 years and then I had my block, but I was like, I'm done with this. And I thought to myself, what should I do with my free time? Um, Definitely not another sport. And so I always loved food and I thought, what if I just 
tried to take this a little bit seriously and see what happens. Mm -hmm. So I got a job at a local bakery, which is actually like it used to be right here, uh, Sweet Teensy Bakery on the corner. Sure. And um, I started a blog where I would just kind of track what I was making and I would practice taking pictures and I would bring something into my high school every day. And have like my friends taste them, it and I want so notes. popular. It was a good way to make friends. My best friend used to start getting hungry at the time that we had a class together, and if for whatever reason that day I didn't bring it, she'd be like missing. That's called a Pavlovian response. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and so that sort of sparked an interest, and I didn't know exactly where I want to go with it, but um, I was interested in a lot of things. Um, I went to the Spanish Immersion Elementary School, uh, Rock Creek Forest, so I had that interest. I was tutoring chemistry and biology, and so I had that interest. And so I applied to— Did you get beat up a lot in school just for being so smart? I had the taekwondo. <laughs> Great. He was like, I got it. Right. Don't worry about it. Bring but it, so let's, bring let's it just, bro. Right. Let's just bring it in a little bit. So at what point did everything start to like gel for you? So I decided to apply to school for food science. Okay. And um, that is when I was like, okay, this blog is fun and my grandma might be the only one reading it, Mm -hmm. but it might be a good way to like show that I have a track record in this. So when I'm applying to colleges, it's not just like, oh, I like to cook. It's like, I like to cook and this is what I've been doing for the past four years. Mm -hmm. And so um, I... Got in, it was a big reach, and I was really excited. And um, the first semester, I like knew that it was not exactly what I wanted. Um, and I loved chemistry in high school. I did not love it at Cornell. It was full pre-med level science for the mm-hmm. food science program. I mean, you don't have to convince me. Let me just say that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least you knew that it was spelled C-H instead of with a K. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, so I loved the one food-related class that I got to take my mm-hmm. freshman year, but I didn't like that it was only the general things that had nothing to do with food. So I decided to major in Spanish and Italian, Mm -hmm. and then I took way more nutrition, horticulture, agriculture, uh, food science classes uh, as electives, and I just had, like, the one... But I got to fast-forward you, because it's only a 10-minute interview. Okay. So... My God, Jeremy. I've been rambling. No, you're not rambling at all, but, like, it's very interesting, but we need to, like, get to the book. So what I want to know is, is at what point did you jump from your blog to social, and at what point were you able to take your science knowledge from school and apply it to the recipes that you were making? Yes. So my freshman year of college, this is exactly what we were talking about with your son. I was getting ready for the next year where I'd be moving into my first apartment. And I was thinking, I have a very limited budget. I have not a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And what are like the essential recipes that people need when they're like out on their own for the first time? And I was very excited for that because I had been practicing. Uh, but I know that it's like a source of consternation for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, okay, we don't have a lot of equipment. Most people in college are not going to have like a stand mixer or even a hand mixer. It's even right. a budget yeah. too. Uh, so if you want to – I think you should know how to make chocolate chip cookies, but you probably need to make them by hand. Mm-hmm. Or you should be able to make a couple <laughs> egg dishes to feed yourself in the morning. Uh, 
and you might not have a bunch of different pans, so let me make sure you know how to do it without nonstick if you don't want to totally get all messy. So I had the idea, and I thought it was a good idea, and I talked to a cookbook author, and in the nicest way possible, she said, even if you have the best idea in the world, it's impossible to get published. Just work on This was Jen Siegel? Yes. We know Jen. She's amazing. She is amazing. It was the complete correct advice. Mm -hmm. I was 18 years old. I didn't have a ton of experience. I'm still young. And so, like, to... So she said, focus that on your blog. And high school was all baking. I was like, okay, I'm going to change the focus. It's going to be college easy recipes. Mm -hmm. And the feedback that I got was, this is great for college students, but I'm a busy mom and I also like these recipes because I'm just trying to get food on the table after work and stuff like that. I mean, we do have the six o'clock scramble in the house. I'm Mm -hmm. just saying. (laughs) In my house, we called it the four o'clock scramble because my mom was an avid user, but we had dinner on the table at 5 p.m., so that was oh my like God, our inside well, she's, <laughs> she's preparing you to be an, an octogenarian and yes. eat the blue plate special. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I just started doing the blog. And then when the pandemic hit, we were sent home from school sure. my sophomore year. Mm-hmm. And I started making videos because I had been watching TikTok. And I was like, I think I could do this. And it was a good way to channel, channel all of my interests. Mm-hmm. And so once that started exploding and you started communicating with people via your videos, right, you had to really sort of learn that process because you photographed everything in this book. So learning, I mean, that's a separate skill, right? Shooting video and all of the technical stuff, then the recipes, then the storytelling, like you're doing a lot of different things. So what is some advice you would give people on, on making that happen? Because it's not easy, I think it kind of plays into, like, knowing what your strengths are. I am never going to be the Michelin star chef. That's not what I'm aspiring to be. Mm -hmm. I think that my skill, hopefully, is being able to communicate a recipe in a clear way that uh, imbues the technique as well. And so you're not just following directions and then you don't know how you ended up there. And I, well, there's a big difference. Actually, you're really painting it very clear. And with Barry sitting next to you, there's a difference between a cook, which is what you are, and right. a chef, right. which is what he is. For right? sure. I never call myself a chef. Right. No, but my point is, is that, I mean, I'm a cook, too. I love to cook. And I've been cooking since I was like eight years old. Right. I love it. But I would never call myself a chef because I'm not cooking in a restaurant. But there's something that you're doing as a cook, and that's communicating recipes and what you need to stock your pantry. Well, you're creating, it's your phrase, culinary literacy. Right. Yeah. And the way I had to really learn how to do that fast was, so when I was in high school, I did a few demonstrations at my local Williams-Sonoma, and they said, okay, when you turn 18, come get a job. Mm -hmm. And I did, and I was a sales associate, and they also had me teach the classes on the weekends. And it would be like they handed me a recipe that I've never made before, and mm-hmm. they said, you're teaching this tomorrow. And so I had to teach myself the day before. And then I realized that even if it was something that, like, I'm not an expert at this particular recipe, I would watch a lot of videos on how to do it. I would um, I would know what the tips are, what the possible pitfalls are, mm-hmm. and focus on that. And I really think that everyone walked away with really good tips, even if it wasn't like something that I had been making for 10 years before that. 
Okay, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, let's dive into the book a little bit. Awesome. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Booty and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. Okay, so anybody who knows me knows that if it's sports, I will watch it on TV, except for cricket. I don't do cricket. But I love going <laughs> to watch my sports at Nick's Riverside Grill in Georgetown. It's fabulous. They've got 21 TV screens down there. Uh, they've got a great selection of beers the food is terrific. They've got a dish called the Crazy Big Nachos that is exactly as described, and a Detroit-style deep-dish pizza that's just nuts. And there's nothing like watching a game, stuffing your face with a bunch of people that are enjoying it just like you are. Nick's Riverside Grill in Georgetown. If you love sports and you love fun food, go there. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and we're talking to the very interesting Jeremy Sheck, who is the author of Sheck Eats. Uh, the subtitle is Cooking Smarter, Friendly Recipes with a Side of Science. And well, I love real- the little science bits in the book. I do, too. And so what are you trying, like, what do you want to explain to people? So is it taking the fear out of cooking? Like, what is it that you're trying to explain? I think that... Whether you are an experienced cook and you want to understand the things that you've been observing for 20 years or you're learning for the first time and you want to learn why things are happening, Mm -hmm. I think that allows you to – if you know why you're doing something, you're more likely to remember it. And Mm -hmm. with the whole book, if you follow the recipes perfectly, your food's going to come out great. But I also want you to like read the brisket recipe and understand that you can do it with short ribs or beef shank or a pork butt. And it's all the same thing. And you can change the liquids and you can it's just braising. Right. And so that's kind of what I want out of every recipe in different ways. Well, I love that because for a lot of people, like I think you said it, there's a lot of fear, right, when it comes to cooking. If your mom always did it, your dad always did it or the household you grew up in, maybe people didn't cook. And there's a, you know, people are afraid of screwing up, which I'm, I never understand because I'm like, it's just food. If you don't like it, like, start over. You know yeah. what I mean? So I love that you're sort of showing people that you can screw up. And a lot of your recipes have different things you can do. You have other suggestions. You have ways to expand on them. What are some of the favorite recipes in here that you would like? Like if I was opening or if I gave this to my son, Eli, right? He's your age. And I said, okay, dude, have at it. But what would you recommend, like, the first couple places he should dig in? So the honey lemon chicken is one that my brothers like to make a lot. And it's one of my favorites. But I have three brothers. I'm the only cook out of the, I, out of the four of us. And that's and, one that— Excuse me. Did you forget your sister? <laughs> yeah, I have a canine sister. <laughs> <It's okay>. uh, <laughs> um, she's not much of a cook either. <laughs> but um, the honey lemon chicken is one that they make if, like, on the rare occasion that they're having people over mm-hmm. in their apartments. And one of them's in college. One of them lives in Brooklyn near me. And it's a crowd pleaser. It's the kind of thing that you can't overcook because it's, like, swimming in sauce. And you can also just leave it in the oven until you're ready to serve, which a lot of my recipes are purposely made like that because – it stems from my mom trying to get dinner on the table for four kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's hard to have everything hot at the same time. So if you have things that are, like, not going to overcook or, like, not going to mess up. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And if you want to do a really easy baking recipe, the coffee cake from the bakery I worked at is there. All my baking recipes are no mixer. And that one is made with all staple ingredients, not a single extra thing. No uh, mixer. Yes. Because, you know, I was looking at the things you suggest and that we have to wrap up, unfortunately. To have in your kitchen, like all the tools, tricks of the trade, tools of the trade. And there was one uh, like whisk that you said that I'd never heard of. 
wasn't a balloon whisk. Oh, it's the Danish dough whisk. What yeah, is so it's, that? It's one of my favorites, and it's basically a flat whisk that is a lot stiffer, and it's more open. So okay. things don't get stuck in it, and you can cream butter by hand. Yeah. It's yes. never going to be like using a stand mixer, sure. but for the recipes in this book, it's perfect. They're all tested that way. Well, I wanted, we're going to wrap, but I, my own observation here is that the beauty of your, I mean, really one of the driving forces of your success, particularly even with cooking demos, is, you know, if you're with a a, a, a cookbook author who's published 11 cookbooks and she talked like this, you know, okay. Julia Child, it's 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 intimidating because, you know, yeah, okay, she, she knows how to do this, but what's wonderfully disarming is you wrote this book for people like you. It's it great. works, man. Okay, great. so where can we find you on Insta and TikTok? And I know you're going to be doing books, things all around the area. Tell us. Yes, so I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Sheck Eats. That's S-C-H-E-C-K-E-A-T-S. Mm-hmm. I have an event at Politics and Pros today, Sunday, Sunday. at 3 p.m., uh, it's free to the public, and it's with Aviva Goldfarb, and Yay, we're really excited. Yeah, it's in studio today. Okay, great. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thanks Barry. for having me. Thanks. Barry, how are you? Good. How are you? It's so nice to have you. So Thanks for having me back. Barry Coslow, you are now at the Pendry Hotel, but I want to start back just a little bit because I know you from your like early days here in D.C. You started at Tallulah. You were on when you were at Mendocino Grill, then Tallulah. I mean, oh my I, God, we could Mendocino go back further than that. Grill. My God, yeah, but I met you at Tallulah. Correct. And then DGS. DGS. So you started with sort of independent restaurants, yep. right? Mm-hmm. But then I think, am I right from DGS? Like, I'm really pulling strands here. W. You went to a hotel. Yeah. So can we talk about the jump from working in an yeah. independent hotel, uh, independent restaurant mm-hmm. to a hotel? Because that seems vast. Well, not only that, but you're responsible for room service and all the other Banquets stuff. That's like, right. And all the things. And, exactly. Yeah, everything. So, um, yeah, you're exactly right. I did start, you know, early on, um, you know, fine dining, working at Citronelle, uh, Michelle, Michelle Richard, Equinox, mm. all those still independent restaurants. Mm-hmm. After, you know, half of my career of doing that, I transitioned into hotels as uh, to open a restaurant in the W. So it was still the same focus. Uh, I was opening uh, Panea in mm-hmm. the W Hotel. And after a couple of years of that, the opportunity came up to be the executive chef of the hotel. So uh, I had learned kind of the ins and outs. And with hotels, it's it's mostly about relationships, you know, relationships with sales, relationships with finance. There's just a lot more going on inside a hotel that it, it's more political, very political. But it also piques your interest because the, the thing about independent restaurants is it's just night after night. You strive for consistency. You're trying to do the exact same things day in, day out, day in, day out. Mm-hmm. In a hotel, you're mixing it up. You got different outlets, you got events, you got VIP guests coming in, you have amenities, you have. So there's there's always something coming at you. So it keeps you on your toes. Well, do you think with a hotel, like since you've been doing it so long, if you look back, in a hotel, you have more people you can rely on to support you? Definitely more infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for instance, just having an engineering department is unheard of. In an independent restaurant, I can't tell you how many toilets I had to try to fix or sure. install electrical Actually, or fix could up you indoors. Drop by the house. I brought, I brought my tools. No right. problem. Well, the other thing you don't have is, and I'm I'm not implying that this was the case, but you don't have a single owner or a group of owners that are going to drop into the kitchen one day and say, you know, Barry, 
<laughs> my aunt really loves, you know, carbonara with a twist, that kind of thing. And then you're like, mm, what do I do? Because you'd be uh, surprised. Really? Yeah. Yeah. He's like no. ownership still does that. There's still ownership. There's a lot more layers, you know. So uh, you you have your managing company. Say you work for Marriott. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have Marriott, but you still have owners of the hotel. So you're getting a lot of input. I guess that's we'll, true. We'll well, put and, it the, that way. and a lot of people don't understand that there's that 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 is how that works. That there is ownership. And then there is also um, the management 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 right. who's providing the function, right. right? So when you're at a hotel, who do you work for? Um, that's a great question. Everybody, I have everybody, such good questions. You know, you do ask good questions. I, I see that. Yes, wait, wait, I, I, think no, she, I think Nikki just threw her shoulder out, patting herself on the <laughs> back. I got, I got you. Um, Sounds like you, you do report to everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. I think you you definitely, like you said, politics, you definitely have to be a diplomat and you definitely have to please everyone in a hotel. So, you know, if if somebody requests something that you don't have, you know, the, we always say the answer is yes. What's sure. the question? Well, how much creative space do you have? Do they say, Barry, go crazy and let us know what you're going to do? Or It depends, but uh, it depends where you work. At, at Pendry, I do yeah, have a lot of creative. Yeah, let's talk about the Pendry. Yeah. So the Pendry is a super sexy property. Very. On the wharf. Mm-hmm. I love the one in Baltimore. That property is insane. Uh, that and San Diego were our first. Okay. I haven't been to the one in San Diego, but I'll make it. Spectacular. We'll make a trip. No. Okay. So let's talk about the one at the wharf. Were you the opening chef there? I was, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. So I started in June. We opened in October. Mm-hmm. They, you know, the, the way it works is they say, here's our concepts. You know, we have three. We have a incredible uh, posh bar, lobby bar. That's called Bar Pendry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a beautiful bar, very elegant, very classic. Uh, you know, this is how many items we want. This we, we want it to be very European feeling. So we do things like lobster corn dogs and deviled eggs with caviar. So mm. um, elevated, very elevated, uh, you know, really great uh, well of, of bourbons and, you know, a- anything you can think of, you can get made there. Mm-hmm. And then uh, our three I meal think a day. Bourbon and a lobster corn dog sounds great. Okay. Come on by tonight. Yeah, we all are. Right. <laughs> well, perfect. There it we go. Out you we know, are going we to actually be there are coming there. <laughs> well, with I'll celebrities, have... <laughs> right? Yeah, I'll have a Pappy Van Winkle and a deviled egg waiting for you. All right. Oh my God, look at that. Okay, so then you had the Bar Pendry, and then you have Moonraker. Moonraker's our rooftop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's Japanese-inspired resto lounge, I guess you would call it. Probably, mm-hmm. and I've worked for some hotels with some great views, namely. Uh, POV and the W, mm-hmm. and I was also at the Watergate for some time with another great view. Right. Um, but Isn't it amazing for so long there were, like, no views in the city, and yeah. now we well, are so lots. lucky because there's so many Somebody woke ones. up and said, hey, this is a pretty city right. besides well, the POV, mall. POV was the, the It was, was the really. only view right. of the Hotel Washington, right? Exactly. Right. When it was w, Hotel Washington. Right. Right. W, Hotel Washington. I think it's— And it's Hotel Washington again. again, right? Yeah, Back to the Future. That, like, fell asleep. Like, nobody talked about the fact that the W just kind of— Oh, well. Snuck out in the middle of the that's, night. That's a whole nother. I know. That's a, that we're going to need 30 minutes for that one. I know, but I really want to hear it. Oh, there's um, plenty to talk about. Okay. So, and then let's talk about Flora Flora. Flora Flora is a Latin inspired. Um, so it's uh, Peruvian, Mexican, but mm. it's kind of regionally farm to table. So it's kind of a mix of taking contemporary American and taking these Mexican and Peruvian twists, ceviches. Is and, it? Uh, more formal, white tablecloths no, and that kind of thing? No, very casual. The thing about Pendry is that uh, the whole brand is sort of a modern style of luxury that is intended to be more laid back. It's a California-based company, Montage 
International is our parent company. Mm-hmm. And it's all based on this California aesthetic of being kind of laid back. And well, chill. that means well, wait, I don't wait. have to wear a suit tonight. You do That's not have great. to wear a suit ever. Do I have to wear clothes? Clothing optional. Okay. <laughs> okay, hold on one sec. We have to take a quick break. This is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a sec. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David Nikki Nellis and Executive Chef Barry Koslow is here from the fabulous, as my wife would put it, very sexy, sexy. Pendry Hotel. It is a sexy hotel. It is on a the sexy wharf, hotel, On man. the sexy wharf in sexy Washington, D.C., <laughs> on this sexy radio show, hosted by the sexy guy. Um, all right, so you, you do a lot of juggling, plus there's room service, plus the special events, banquets, weddings, all of that. Mm-hmm. So uh, my question is, how big a team do you have? I have a large team. Yeah, it takes it. You know, it takes a team, and um, I couldn't do it without the great leadership that I have. You know, I have uh, about five chefs, a pastry chef. Mm. I have about twenty-five cooks. I have an entire stewarding team of about fifteen. So, do you spend most of your time as a ringmaster, or yeah. are you yeah, nowadays? You're, or you're not executing, right? right? Not as much. No, sure. I'm involved. I like to have my hands on everything, but there is a lot of you know juggling and admin, like you said. Sure. So let's talk about some of the things that are coming up. If people, For people especially who have not been to the Pendry, there's so many things that you guys have coming up. I mean, obviously Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, all the things. And then did I hear you guys are doing a tea? Not just an ordinary tea, but we're doing a boozy tea. What does that mean? Because I love tea. Well, it's tea with booze in it. Okay. Walk <laughs> uh, me through that, so Mary. I need a little more context here. I know, here. I know. But it, there's details coming out. This is your the first to know. So mm-hmm. this is breaking news. You okay, can do the little news. sound effect. Dun, 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 wait, you want a drum roll? Yeah. No, no okay. beep, beep, Please beep, stop. I think it would be. Boop, yeah, boop, there you okay, go. Breaking news. <laughs> Boozy tea at the Fendry. Okay. It's coming up. The The food will be very sort of classic oriented with scones and beautiful desserts made by our pastry chef, A.J. McMillan. Mm. And But then we're going to have some really creative takes. Uh, we have a lot of people working on some really interesting takes with tea. Of course, sort of you like can come. Tea cocktails? Tea cocktails. Interesting. And if you don't want the cocktail, of course, you can have a, a great selection. Will of they teas. pour the tea from uh, on high? Are we doing it a that? high tea? Are we calling it a high tea? Well, no, not exactly. We're calling okay. it a boozy tea. Can okay. we get high and come and have tea? Uh, that seems to be the thing to do at awesome. the wharf. All right, I'll be there. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> Actually, in all of DC, yeah. just walk yeah. outside here. Um, so you're going to be doing the tea. What do we got going on? Like, do you have stuff going on for Thanksgiving? What, what, so is, what can we see down the? We're pipe? actually doing a nostalgia night the night before Thanksgiving. Uh, that's going to be in Bar Pendry. We're going to have a DJ spinning classic tunes. Uh, we're going to have a lot of classic. So this is on Wednesday. Uh, correct. Wednesday okay. the twenty second. Wednesday 22nd. before Thanksgiving. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Jello shots. Think of all the kind of uh, nostalgic type of uh, cocktails, nostalgic bites, nostalgic tunes. This is a good, real great way just to hang out. We know a lot of people come together for the actual holiday, and you have family, and you're stuck at the house, or coming back from school, and you want to meet up with a group of friends. Like this is the perfect kind of chill experience. Listen to some good music. Jeremy's taking notes. I yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Jello shots doesn't sound. Jello shots chill. and, you know, I, <laughs> I imagine fuzzy navels and That's what Jello shots sound like to me. Yeah. <laughs> Jello shots sound like they taste the same coming up as they do going down. <laughs> well, you're thinking Jello shots. I had those at Halloween, so that's not too nostalgic. We do that anyways, right? We did, had a couple before we went on air. Okay. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we did. Oh, yeah, man. There you go. All right. So uh, tell everybody where the Pendry is exactly. 655 uh, Water Street. So right on the wharf. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're in the phase two section of the, the wharf. So as everybody knows, it, it was built in two stages. 
uh, up all the way down to Hanks was phase one, and that's right. just had its fifth year anniversary. Mm-hmm. And then everything uh, past that is brand new. We've been open, just had our one year anniversary, and we've been joined by Gordon Ramsay. Right, and you're Fee right Chow across the street and, from them. Exactly. All right, great. All right, well, we'll, we'll see you tonight. Thanks for coming. We'll see you tonight. Yeah, Thank we you. Will. Thank you so much. Oh, wait, give us your Insta. My Insta? It doesn't have to be yours. Give me the hotel well, it's Insta. Pendry at Instagram. I have okay. no idea what it is. He's like, I have no <laughs> idea. Okay. We have people for that. Like, <laughs> <I don't laughs> have your people call our people. Okay, Barry. Our people Thank you. Will yeah. be posting so this much. all over the place. All, all right. right. <laughs> okay. So um, when I first moved to Washington, D.C., I lived on 18th and T. And Adams Morgan was really popping then. I know it's still popping now, but it's it's it has such a young vibe. And I know lots of young people still hang out there. But late night dining was a singular place. We all went to our next guest's restaurant late night because that's it was one of the few places open. And the food was delicious. It was so good. So, Anna, Hi, El Anna. Tamarindo. Um, I ate there. I'm trying to remember when did the restaurant open? Forty one years ago. Yeah, I mean, I ate there yeah. in 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 like 1990. I think was the first time I went through there. Yeah. And it was. I only remember the first part of the night. Let me put it that way. We okay. Had... So your parents opened it. Let's yeah. hear yeah. the story. Sure. I'd love to hear it. So they they opened it in 1982, and mm-hmm. you know, we mentioned the late night in in that era. It was one of the very few places that were open mm-hmm. at that time. And, you know, my my sister and I always joke that my dad always did the late night. Um, he's My dad has seen, like, half of D.C. at their worst at, their at worst. like, oh, 3 a.m. Right. No doubt. Right. Me included. So, but w- when they opened up the restaurant in the 80s, Adams Morgan was it in a grittier kind of place. What were they... What were they hoping to do? Because they were opening up an El Salvadorian restaurant. Sure. Um, you know, D.C. at that time, in the 80s and 90s, was known for really offering unique... Tastes and cuisines, like particularly that was, in yeah. Adams Morgan, right. there was Particu- a lot going right. on there. You know, because there was like Ethiopian but, restaurants, etc. Cities, so, cities. Where'd your parents start? Sure. So there wasn't a big Salvadoran or Latino community really in the eighties, um, mm-hmm. which I think was is a big contributor to why the restaurant was so successful, mm-hmm. um, because they came, there was a huge migration of El Salvadorans in the eighties, early eighties, late seventies, um, and there weren't many places where the Salvadoran community could. Uh, go and either enjoy their food or just ha- be in an environment that felt like home. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that was huge, right? Well, were lots of El Salvadorians moving into that neighborhood around? Because yes. that's critical. They weren't coming from Arlington. To... Right, right. So there was actually Adams Morgan and um, especially up on Columbia Road, there was a huge right. Salvadoran migra- uh, mm-hmm. a community there. Sure. You could walk up. You can still. There is still a big Salvadoran community on eight on Columbia Road. Mm-hmm. Not as much, obviously. Right. Um, but yeah, there. You know, and and I still I still talk to some of the the people that used to live all the buildings, um, and the row homes that were across from Alta Marindo. They were um, the residents were Salvadoran mm-hmm. that had recently come from El Salvador. But the uh, idea was to serve food like the food that they enjoyed at home. It wasn't to do anything, am I right? Yeah. Um, you know, out out in left field. The idea was to serve food that that was familiar to them and yep. really to my, neither of my parents were cooks. They um th- they didn't come from a cooking background. They mm-hmm. had their background was they were immigrants that wanted to make it in this country because sure. they had zero opportunities in in theirs. 
Um, my mom was, she grew up an orphan. My dad, you know, very little education. They just knew that they were going to work their butts off and, and make But they it. knew this food. In other words, they knew what they wanted to put on the table. And for, you know, the Well, Yanks, actually, did they? How they, did they figure it so, out? So my dad, you know, we were just talking about the wharf. My dad worked at a Mexican restaurant called Casa Maria, mm-hmm. uh, which was on the wharf. Um, the old wharf. The old The original wharf. wharf. The original yes. wharf. It yes. did not look like it does today. Not no. at all. Your dad went to work in a tank, right? <laughs> <laughs> so he he was a dishwasher, and then he was a busser, and um, I think, and, and then a line cook. And that's it's where- like, But that's, isn't that the classic yeah. immigrant yeah. tale of people who start off in the restaurant business, right, and work their way up, and then- own a restaurant that's been yeah. around for 40 years. Yeah, but when you think years, about what he did, because it's amazing. Because along with being so much fun, your your the, his his real estate selection, the site is uh, yeah. But it probably wasn't there, at the time. It's it still was. I mean, it's still two major streets, and it's you know you can't miss that restaurant. Mm-hmm. There there were a lot of things that kind of so you, that's where my dad's knowledge of food came and then my mom grew up in this tiny little town and they had like a little store Mm -hmm. that they ran out of their living room and she would sell um fresh bread in the morning so that's kind of where her the business savvy came from Mm. they came together and that's how the restaurant happened okay um and then you know we mentioned the real estate they were fortunate enough the the location where we are now in on florida avenue and 18th um they had an incredible landlord Mm. that rented out um you know the he took a bet on them, pretty much. Right. Um, it, it was a gamble. He saw that the restaurant was successful, and he approached Mr. McLean, I believe was his name. Yeah. He approached my parents. He's like, listen, I want you guys to have this property. Um, so they were able sold, to buy it? They bought it. Whoa. Wow. They bought it. Whoa. But he, he sold it to them. This was maybe in the early 90s. He sold it to them over price. However... Uh, he served as the bank. So it's like this golden opportunity. Everything really? just kind of really lined. I, you know, I, I believe that when you're putting in that work, that, you know, pays God, God matches you, mm-hmm. you know, halfway. And um, I can kind of see that with, with them. They, they put in the work. I, you know. So when you, when did you and your sister take over? Sure. So I... Started working with my family in 2007 after mm-hmm. I came back from college. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of what I've been doing since. And my sister was, she's been a hairstylist. Um, and then during the pandemic, she decided, like, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. And so she came on board as well. And it's been it's been great. Well, I'm going to segue us to, to what's very important, yes. and that's Pupusa Week. But when you opened... I mean, you probably didn't even have to do a lot. There was no marketing money for any of that. Just, you know, the rest of the world found you. I mean, in in the 90s, I didn't know what a pupusa was. Well, and now, of course, the world knows. Um, and so now you've got a pupusa week. Yes. Yes. For everybody. So okay, tell so us let's about talk that. about it. Let's I'm, talk about it. I'm going to tell you just a quick story of the, our, the marketing strategy my parents had. Um, Build it, we would, we used to have, my mom used to have a van. You know, one of those big Toyota old vans. Mm-hmm. Um, she'd put us all in the van, and which they would print out these little flyers, and we would 
know, let the, she'd let the kids out. We'd run out and put the little flyers on oh my God. windshield. That is <laughs> the that, car is, windshield. that is grassroots marketing. Yeah, yeah, I love so, it. Um, but yes, going into we're celebrating National Pupusa Week this mm-hmm. year, November sixth to the twelfth. Yes. Okay, and what does that look like for you all this year? Sure. So. National Pupusa Day is celebrated on the second Sunday of November. We've, and that's the national in dish. In El Salvador. In El Salvador, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's the national dish of El Salvador. So we've been celebrating at the Marindo since 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, so this year we decided to extend the celebration a bit and celebrate the entire week. Um, you can celebrate starting Monday. We're offering pupusa passes, mm-hmm. which for 25 bucks you can do unlimited pupusas, um, drinks, also tamarindo juice, horchata, some dessert, and some some sides. We also have um, we we teamed up with some local chefs, which we're very excited about. Mm-hmm. Uh, we teamed up with Masako Morishita from uh, Perry. Perry's. Mm-hmm. And she you brought in her pupusas yes. today. They're gorgeous. So she created this beautiful teriyaki mm-hmm. uh, chicken pupusa, which we're um, topping with the curtido. We and should the say she is the executive chef at Perry's. Yes. She just said that. She's yes. such a talent. I know, but she's a cooker. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So uh, we also partnered with uh, Chef Elias um, Tadesi mm-hmm. from Doro Soul Food. Right. Um, Doran Patterson. Sure, I'm from sorry. Sticky Fingers. Yes. Peterson, mm-hmm. right. Peterson, apologies. She's amazing. She is. And, and vegan and gluten-free. Yeah, so she provided us with the smoky mozzarella uh, plant-based mm-hmm. cheese, which is incredible. Mm-hmm. So We've we, had it. She was here on the show a couple, probably two, three months ago. Okay. It's no. good. But yes. we have had it. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not and then last but, anyway. but not least, mm-hmm. um, Chef Danny Moriera from Call Your Mothers. So, Aww, so we're doing a, she's uh, amazing. Yes, brisket and pastrami pupusa. So we're super excited. Um, so we've got that going on. We're doing a pupusa making workshop on Thursday, okay. the 9th. Mm-hmm. And then we have our big celebration on Sunday, the uh, 12th. Mm-hmm. Where we'll have um, there'll be an artisan market. Are they going to close off the street? What's going to happen there? We are celebrating in our own space. We've but got you like have the, the two spaces, right? We have the two spaces, and then we created, uh, after the pandemic, our parking lot became a patio. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got that big outdoor space. So there'll be folkloric dancers. There'll be music. Um, obviously, a lot of pupusas. Yes. So it's, it'll really be a cultural um, experience and just a way to connect with the vibrant and beautiful Salvadoran community here I love in D.C. That. Okay. Thank you so much for coming in today and bringing those Beautiful pupusas. Yes. Can you uh, please tell everybody where they can find you, your street address, and where they can find you on Instagram, please? Sure. So we're at 1785 Florida Avenue, right mm-hmm. off the corner of 18th and Florida at the mm-hmm. bottom of Adams Morgan. Great. And miss it. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> and our Instagram is at altamarindodc.com. Great. Thank you. No com. Altamarindo DC. No com. All right, great. Thank you so much. Thank this you. is David and Nikki Nellis, Foodie and the Beast. Everything you just heard here, you can find on the list, com as well. But we'll be back in just a sec. We are back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. And our guests are Dr. Aaron Tucker and Chef Henry Brandon Williams, known to his good friend David Nellis as Chef Brandon. Yes. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about DMV Black Restaurant Week. Uh, we're going to start with it, Aaron. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to call you Dr. Tucker. It ain't, ain't going to happen. It's, but, it's been too long. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so Erin Aaron is, you want to talk about a Renaissance woman. She is the, what, what's your actual title? The head lead judge for um, 
the James Beard Awards. Oh, I'm not a judge. You're, not judge. Yeah. you're the but organizer. The, you're the uh, well, the um, well. First, for DMV Black Restaurant, we co- I'm the co-founder. Right. Uh, right. Since 2018, with both Ferrard Tate and um, Andra A.J. Johnson. Mm-hmm. And uh, Andra. This, yes, and we have been. This is our sixth year. I so know. December we brought you guys th- on the first year. You first year, happened. absolutely. So thank you so much for having us. But you have a lot of food. Yes, and that's absolutely. the only reason I mentioned Well, yeah, because let's talk about stuff. where yeah. you are right now yeah. with a, your new position. Sure. It's a, it's definitely an intersection. So I'm the um, co-representative of the Mid-Atlantic for the Restaurant and Chefs Committee for James Beard mm-hmm. uh, Foundation Awards. That's a mouthful. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a mouthful. <laughs> and then vice, uh, vice chair as well. So right. um, it's, it's, it is a mouthful, but um, really with the mission of James Beard, what they're looking at, the overall inclusion um, we have phenomenal, phenomenal judges in our region that are that are just excited about really pulling pulling the region up into the national spotlight. But also your new gig. Yes, absolutely. I'm the department chair now. Yes, yes. Um, an associate professor at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore mm-hmm. um, Hospitality and Tourism Management Program. I'm so happy to uh, really kind of expand even my reach. Right, because um, all phenomenal. these things kind it of all, go together. It all right? goes together. That's why I wanted to mention absolutely and, and not planned. She got married about a year ago, right? Uh, no. It will be two, two years, years in December. Two years. In December, yes. So, okay. so the interesting thing about Erin is she doesn't sleep. Okay. Okay. So, so look, but yeah. when you guys started this restaurant week let's talk about like why you started it initially absolutely so we started this week because really we saw that there was a gap between many of our small business owners especially within the african-american black community and government resources Mm -hmm. so our mission is to help support and sustain black owned businesses in the restaurant and food space uh, with professional development and education while also creating an ecosystem so it is a week but it's actually 365 uh thrust really throughout the year really helping our business owners get those resources and i tell you, Fish Scale has been with us since day one, well, right? that's, that's and, they, and they have believed in us since day one. Let's, but talk. So let's talk about what that partnership looks like, mm-hmm. Chef. Like, first, let's talk about Fish Scale a little bit. Tell, can we tell people a little bit about it? Yeah, so um, Fish Scale, we specialize in wild-caught sustainable fish. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, my mom became a pescatarian, so she was going out to these places, carryouts, and uh, the fish was subpar, and they didn't know, like, where it was from, um, and... I just read a book about um, food in general, but fish uh, was one of the things that caught my eye and how wild-caught fish, um, which is able to eat uh, what it's supposed to eat in its own habitat, uh, Mm -hmm. just like salmon, farm-raised salmon, you know, they have to feed it uh, food coloring Mm -hmm. because it gets its red hue from, you know, crustaceans, plankton, and those are the things like omega-3s that, you know, fuel your body. So uh, wild-caught fish is just better, and I believe – with the sustainability part, uh, people might say, like, oh, farm race, but it really pollutes the ocean. And, I mean, you're helping our American fishermen. Mm-hmm. And um, so a lot of my fish is local. It doesn't come from um, other countries, other places. So that's, and that's so, good to me. And where is your restaurant? Uh, it's 637 Florida Avenue, mm-hmm. Northwest. Mm-hmm. In the Shaw, not far from Kirk. El Tamarindo. Yeah, So how did you and Aaron meet? Like, mm-hmm. did you? How well, did you guys start the process of reaching out to these small retailers? Well, um, Tate yep. uh, and uh, mm-hmm. and, and she, uh, she came in and they ate and they loved it. Um, and then we just started a conversation. And like I say, it's Black Restaurant Week isn't a, a panacea for what uh, you know 
what will cure the the restaurant industry for Black Americans mm-hmm. because you know we are understaffed, we're you know uh, underfunded, um, and we just don't get the publicity and the, and 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 we sometimes we don't have the dollars for marketing and things like that. Mm-hmm. So it, it, this conversation gets us here, you know, yeah. and 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 it gets me here. I mean, I know I was here before. You were here before. Yeah, I was like, and, and, and I'm glad that I you know invited back because mm-hmm. of this. You know what I'm saying? I know. Uh, you know, he doesn't like me in the room because he's not the prettiest guy in the room no more when I'm here. <laughs> yes, that's know. true. But uh, um, I love being here and I Brandon, love being Brandon, in the spotlight. Brandon, get out. Now you're going to call him. <laughs> <laughs> no. See, he missed his moment. What he should have said was Henry. Right, right. Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Exactly. And now we're so, not friends. And I did not, I don't think, Brandon, I heard your voice for about like two years. It's really Crystal. I'm, I connected yeah, with Crystal's sister, who's also the, right. uh, the co-founder. Because I, I, I'm actually in the kitchen cooking and doing things <laughs> like that. So, yeah. right, but so how does this week work? Like, mm-hmm. how do people participate in it? How does the general public participate? And then I'd like to know more about the black retailers and how they participate and what they have access to thanks to this. Absolutely. So uh, you can go to our website, dmvbrw.com, to mm-hmm. sign up uh, for all of our weeks. And you actually are featured on the website for the whole year. So it's, it's that avenue. You can mm-hmm. also go to our Instagram, dmvbrw, and there will be a link for you to be able to sign up there. And what you end up getting as a result of that is that we have, for the last five years, had um, all of our uh, partners will get a one-year membership to uh, Ram W, Restaurant mm-hmm. Association of Metropolitan Washington, just to see why it's important to be part of this ecosystem. System. Mm. Uh, last year, uh, the uh, D.C. Black Chamber actually also extended a one-year membership just to be able to see that because it's so important that um, that our owners understand uh, the importance of connecting with other businesses as well as with government. Well, I think you bring up a really good point because, listen, we've been doing this show a really long time. I've been in the industry for 20 years, and sometimes I meet young people or people new to the business And they don't know where to go to for mentorship. You know, like they're struggling because they don't know where to get it. They know they have their passion. They have their drive. But they don't know how to connect the dots all the time. And these organizations really provide mentorship and assistance. Yes, yes. Because they have a lot of uh, industry experience. Mm -hmm. So that is a good thing. And then just navigating someone you could talk to that has like an ear that um, is – you know, then they're just listening and they know like about the restaurant industry and they know like, you know, what what ails, you know, you and what you're going through and things like that and hard times and good times, everything. So. Yeah, but it's not only that. It's I mean, it's not only like how to cook and what to cook. Right. No. It's how to run a business. Business. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Somebody yeah. said to me the other day that, you know, the the problem with not the problem with the restaurant industry, but like, you know, people who love to cook. Challenge. And who are chefs don't always get that business training right, uh-huh. to understand how to, you know, and, and like opening in D.C. versus opening in Maryland versus right. opening in Virginia. Like there's a lot of boxes to check. Yes. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. do you find being with Black Restaurant Week that you now have access to people who can sort of help you check those boxes? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, that, definitely. Because um, it is like you say, from the marketing standpoint, too, like I'm, I'm terrible on Instagram. I don't like like I like going somewhere. And just enjoying the moment. And sometimes when I cook, I enjoy the moment. But I do, like, really amazing things. And I just don't, you know, me and my sister argue over, you know, what, you know, uh, what side to go on or this and that and the third. And, 
you know, I, I was talking to Tate. I think we should get those Tate. arguments, ta- like, yeah, on are, like, Instagram, right? Like, like that right. sounds we like fun. Yeah, it's, like, good things. And, like, talking <laughs> to Tate and, 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 and Dr. Aaron, it's like they, like, they can turn those moments into something, like, marketable, and they, they like, show us those things and tell us those things. And, you know, with grant money, all types of things, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, like, help us for resources. So it's 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 a... It's a relationship that's ongoing. It's not just a you know. A, so what, is, what does it mean to your business? Oh, it means it means a whole lot to the business. I mean, we're still here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, everything. Yeah, right six, after yeah, everything, right? Six years. I, I think when you started, we opened. We started, yeah, same yes, year. Same, same year. At the same, time. Yeah. same year. Yeah. And it was a phenomenal for like the mayor even because yeah. we yeah, that really was great. Yeah, the mayor came. We opened and, and, and during she pandemic. Wanted to eat a, uh, fish scale, and I know that's because of them. Mm-hmm. They told her about yeah. it. Uh, um, so yeah, it's it's it, it, it's uh I mean you can't describe you know what what it it's just a confluence of a lot of things that they do to help us. So but, okay, yeah. let's talk about what's happening because yeah. we have like about a minute left. So tell us. Absolutely. So the sixth annual DMV Black Restaurant Week is December third through the tenth this year. So it's a little bit later. Our theme is food and wellness, and that's why we have this great phenomenal uh mm. you know food for you to eat today. But it's so important that our business owners and our community, of course, our customers, really understand that it takes a lot. It takes a lot. And wellness is such a topic that is not described at all. We, we don't talk about it amongst business owners. Mm. And it's so, so critical. So one of the activities that we will be doing on Saturday, December the 9th, is at, at Shannon Place, which is 2235 Shannon Place Southeast, mm-hmm. is we're going to have a food and fitness um, expo. And we're oh, going to have our food. We're going to have a great discussion. And then we're going to go. I'm going to do some yoga. We're going to do a little bit of everything. Just come out and have um, a lot of fun. That's at Shannon Place 2235. Shannon Place Southeast this year. And are there other events or it's just Mm -hmm. really driving people to go find these restaurants, you know, patron them and, you know, support the community. Absolutely. I mean, that is definitely the the focal point. Uh, we will have, uh, once again, Andra AJ will be doing her our, our buoy cocktail competition right. uh, on that Monday always. That's like a, one of our staples mm-hmm. as well as we'll be doing um, a, some uh, ed- education panel kind of throughout the, throughout the week. Alright, so we'll stay tuned to the website so we can stay up on that and we will stay tuned yes. to what you are doing, Chef. Yes. Um, tell everybody, please, where we can find you. Oh, so uh, 637 Florida Avenue, um, Northwest, Washington, mm-hmm. D.C. And then Instagram is we are W-E-A-R-E, Fishgale. Um, and then our website is the same, wearefishgale.com. Thank you so much. And uh, Dr. Tucker, just one more time, where we can find all the info? Absolutely. DMVBRW.com is our website. And you can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X, is it now? Yeah. DMVBRW. Excellent. She's right. good. I expected you to say operators are on duty now. <laughs> <laughs> all right, wrap it up. All right, so I'd like to end the show with a reminder that there's a real world out there that's kind of a mess. Uh the war in Ukraine is still going on, and it's kind of you know kind of been pushed to the back pages, but uh, it's still going on, and we we can't afford, and the Ukrainians can't afford to lose that war because mm-hmm. that makes Putin, okay, that sends him into Europe. So, don't have a latte one day and send some money to the Red Cross there. Both the Israelis and the Palestinians are all suffering through this mess. Um, you can donate to the Palestinians, uh, all the refugees through the Red Crescent. You can donate to help out the Israelis, particularly the ones that suffered in that massacre um, through the Red Cross. Um, Just do your part. 
be people. Yes, please. And uh, we want to say, say thank you to all the guests who came in studio today. We have so much fun and so much food, uh, but no drinks today. Uh, and everything you heard here, you can find on the list, com. Of course, you can follow me at N-Y-C-C-I-N-E-L-L-I-S, Instagram, Facebook, X. And don't forget, Industry Night is now residing at The Point, and you can watch all those episodes on YouTube and download them on your favorite podcast and platforms. And I watch them. They're good. Okay. Thanks so much for joining us today. Everybody, please have a delicious week. <laughs>